Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, dear listeners. Welcome back to another episode of Radio Islam. I am your host, Sadiq bin Abdullah. And today, uh, I'm going to be hosting the epi- this episode solo. Um, my co-host he is not here with me today. Um, however, it'll still be an interesting episode nonetheless. Um, today, I'm going to be talking about a particular subject matter that I find to be incredibly intriguing and very compelling and very interesting and many different different ways and uh let's get into it so recently uh, you know and 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 this particular subject matter is going to be more uh politically oriented uh, uh as opposed to you know uh some of the other episodes you know uh, in this episode i'd like to talk about something more uh oriented towards uh, international affairs and recently as we've seen uh, and was you know shocking to new, uh, news to many people uh, in the international community uh, within the you know various you know political spheres and whatnot. Um, the killing of top Iranian military general Qasem Soleimani. Uh, this came out of nowhere, really, uh, as opposed to previous presidential administrations, most notably uh, the uh, George W. Bush uh, presidential administration and the Obama administration. Uh, the current President Trump administration decided to go forth with uh, the killing of his top uh, military commander of the Iranian army, uh, particularly the leader of the Quds Force, uh, which is a, a very specific sub-branch of the Iranian military. And the leader's name is Qasem Soleimani, of course. And, you know, he has been uh, uh, essentially on... Uh, the watch list of the United States government uh, for quite some time. You know, he's he's been, uh, I guess you could say, uh, somewhat of a notorious figure, um, someone uh, of high interest in the uh, in in terms of American foreign policy, and you know, one of the uh, accusations that uh, that I've been hearing is that uh, one of the accusations that is. Uh, being thrown at this this you know now deceased uh, general Qasem Soleimani uh, by President Trump is the Qasem Soleimani was essentially responsible for the deaths of uh, hundreds of Americans. Now I'm not here to defend Qasem Soleimani. As a matter of fact, I have numerous criticisms of the guy. Um, I feel as though you know Qasem Soleimani was one of those individuals who. Uh, you know, was really working to serve the expansionist foreign policy of the current Iranian regime uh, across the region, um, and you know, which essentially you know has led to the harm of uh, uh, many men, women, and children all across you know Iraq and Syria, and so on and so forth. You know, and and essentially has led to the exploitation of uh, various communities in Iraq as well as you know Afghanistan, Pakistan, Lebanon. And so, anyway, um, I came across a really interesting article, um, and 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 the reason the reason as to why you know I'm, I'm kind of bringing this up is because I feel as though you know so a lot of these accusations, although perhaps they may have some truth in them, I feel as though Qasem Soleimani and the Iranian regime, I feel as though a lot of much of their hostility and much of their you know military aggression was not so much necessarily geared towards you know, say, uh, American military personnel um, or at the United States 
in and of itself. Rather, I feel as though uh, much of their hostility and aggression uh, in military campaigns was more so geared towards uh, Sunnis, really. Um, and I know, you know, this is a, a very heated topic. Uh, this is, you know, this is going to make many people feel uncomfortable. Um, you know, much of these issues that we see across the Middle East are not necessarily, or at least did not begin as uh, though they were sectarian. However, uh, they were later on, uh, or I guess you could say that they, they very much evolved into what we would now call sectarian conflicts. Um, and I feel as though uh, Iran's, much of Iran's policies, their, their, their foreign policy that is, uh, essentially has exacerbated a lot of this uh, ongoing sectarian violence that we see in the Middle East. Um, this is just my personal opinion, of course. Um, you know, th those who are listening may feel free to, you know, agree with me or disagree or, or you know, uh, you know, perhaps even provide their own thoughts uh, uh, on this particular subject matter. Uh, however, uh, you know, I, I came across a really interesting article uh, written by a professor of uh, politics, and politics and international studies at the University of San Francisco. Uh, his name is uh, Stephen Zunis, or Zunes. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, hopefully. Um, where he serves as the uh, coordinator of the program in Middle Eastern Studies, and he is recognized as one of the country's leading scholars of the United States uh, Middle East policy and of strategic nonviolent action. Professor Zunes serves as a senior policy analyst for the Foreign Policy In Focus Project of the Institute for uh, Policy Studies, an associate editor of Peace Review, a contributing editor of Tikkun, and co editor of the Academic Advisory Committee for the International Center on Nonviolent Conflict. So, you know, in this uh, particular article, I mean, he goes on to essentially, <clears throat> you know, assess, you know, some of these, you know, accusations towards Qasem Soleimani that, you know, he was responsible for the hundreds, uh, for, for the killing of hundreds of uh, Americans, uh, be they, you know, innocents or be they military personnel or, or you know, what have you. Um, so let's get into it. Um, you know, he starts off by saying, you know, that you know, the assertions uh, being repeated today uh, seem based on apparently groundless claims from 12 years ago by, uh, by the same people who said Iraq possessed weapons, weapons programs and weapon systems that were uh, such a grave threat that they ignited the U.S.-Iraq war, you know, uh, which, is, which is very interesting because essentially we're looking at the same uh, political trajectory as we've seen 12 years ago and even before that you know uh, the, you know this essentially this you know fear-mongering war-mongering uh, which inevitably and ultimately and tragically quite frankly uh, leads to the deaths of thousands and even millions of innocent uh, 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 bystanders so the skepticism expressed by some of the leading Democrats and mainstream media, Regarding the United States assassination of Iranian General Qasem Soleimani has been refreshing. After decades of bipartisan support for disastrous United States for, uh, foreign policies in the region, these critiques, not unreasonably, have acknowledged Soleimani's nefarious role in advancing Iran's geostrategic reach in the Middle East, supporting extremist militias, exacerbating sectarianism, and suppressing progressive democratic movements. However, uh, the claim that Soleimani and the Iranian government are somehow responsible for the deaths of quote-unquote hundreds of Americans in Iraq 
which has been uh, repeated by leading Democrats and the mainstream media, appears to be groundless. Uh, there have not been significant United States casualties in Iraq since around, say, 2007, uh, when charges of Iranian involvement in attacks against the United States forces first surfaced. Uh, virtually all attacks against uh, U.S. forces since the 2003 invasion had come from Ba'athist, primarily, that is, for the most part, Ba'athist, uh, Sunni, and other anti-Iranian uh, groups. Uh, of, of the more than 10,000 suspected insurgents uh, arrested in United States counterinsurgency sweeps prior to the first U.S. withdrawal in 2011, uh, the relatively few foreigners among them were Arabs, actually, not Iranians. He goes on to say, essentially, that you know the uh, national Inte intelligence estimate on Iraq compiled by America's 16 intelligence agencies and issued in February 2007 downplayed Iran's role in Iraq's violence and instability. Yet, it was at this point that the George W. Bush administration began uh, making the case uh, that Iran had become the principal foreign threat to United States forces in Iraq. Uh, and so, therefore, you know, the, Bush's, the Bush administration's case was based primarily on assertions that, uh, that you know, uh, bomb fragments such as those displayed by U.S. military officials in a press conference in Baghdad on uh, February 2000, uh, excuse me, on February 11th of that year, uh, I believe uh, 2007, if I'm not mistaken, of the year were of Iranian origin, but they never showed any proof making this linkage, right? There was never any official connection uh, between the two. Uh, United States officials uh, originally claimed to have documents, computer files, uh, confessions by captured Iranians, and evidence that Iranian officials were caught with explosives, even. Uh, none of this, uh, however, was made public, and you know, essentially raising doubts as to whether uh, such evidence even existed in the first place to begin with. Uh, they then insisted that Iran was responsible for the increased sophistication over the past several months of what are known as, quote-unquote, um, uh, improvised uh, explosive devices, IEDs, uh, which were uh, being used by Iraqi insurgents uh, against uh, United States and Iraqi uh, military convoys. Uh, but the increased sophistication is not necessarily a result of uh, outside aid, necessarily, you know, uh, external aid, that is. Um, in virtually every conflict, particularly, particularly those involving irregular warfare, uh, each side can, uh, constantly seeks to improve the accuracy and uh, lethality of its weapons in the course of the struggle. Uh, of particular concern to the United States officials uh, were the alleged increase in attacks by IEDs using uh, quote-unquote explosively formed projectiles, EFPs, which United States officials claimed that uh, had killed 170 U.S. and Allied soldiers. So while the Bush administration insisted uh, the machine tooling was so sophisticated it could only have been manufactured in Iran. Uh, the British government, however, uh, scientists, that is, from the British government, found that the devices could have been, uh, could have simply been, you know, uh, turned uh, on a lathe by craftsmen trained in the manufacture of munitions uh, and were not that different than munitions manufactured elsewhere. Uh, the pre-invasion Iraqi army 
and the munitions industry that supported it uh, certainly possessed enough resident technical expertise to produce the material that the uh, insurgents were using. So indeed, it is rather bizarre that the same United States administration that insisted just four years earlier that Iraq was technologically advanced enough uh, to produce long-range missiles and was on the verge of developing an atomic bomb would then be incapable of developing an effective roadside bomb without direct support from its neighbor, Iran. So furthermore, uh, so many metal, tu- metal tubes and explosives were stolen from Iraqi army stockpiles during the chaos following the 2003 U.S. invasion. Uh, the insurgents presumably possessed enough material to manufacture their own IEDs for decades. Uh, and even if the pieces of, weapon- of weaponry displayed by the U.S. military officials came from Iran, there's uh, a huge black market in various explosive devices in Iraq. So it would not be surprising to find components from any number of countries, including those of recent manufacture. Even the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, Marine General Peter Pace, admitted that there was no proof that the Iranian government was supplying Iraqi insurgents uh, with the lethal weaponry. <coughs> Excuse me. And the British government withdrew similar charges uh, they made in 2005. And the Iraqi government has also denied the United States accusations of an Iranian connection. Uh, in short, the assertions being repeated today seem, you know, based on apparently groundless claims from, as I mentioned earlier, you know, 12 years ago by the same people who said Iraq possessed weapons, weapons programs, and weapon systems that were such a grave threat. Uh, that they ignited the United States-Iraq war. Uh, It was this invasion, of course, that led to the rise of pro-Iranian sectarian uh, parties and militias and uh, the resulting of Iranian influence in this particular Arab country. Uh, Segments of the Iranian government and religious hierarchy certainly have been providing providing, uh, training, arms, as well as financial and logistical support to Iraqi Shia political groups uh, and their militias. So Suleimani was a key figure in that effort, uh, and they were highly effective, if sometimes ruthless, uh, fighters in the war against ISIS, often in conjunction with United States forces. So in addition, some of these militias uh, directed death squads against the Sunni Arab community in Iraq during the height of the Arab country's uh, sectarian violence uh, between 2006 and uh, 2008. Uh, so more recently, the militias have been targeting pro-democracy, anti-corruption protesters, and the proxies uh, are brutal, and it's not surprising that so many Iraqis uh, want the Iranians out. Uh, however, uh, many of these Shia parties are part of Iraq's elected coalition government, and uh, the militia are state 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 sanctioned. Excuse me, uh, making them uh, technically part of the Iraqi armed forces, really, uh, which I still find to be incredibly baffling. Um, and it's more than ironic for the United States to insist that Iran has no right to interfere with uh, the internal affairs of their next door neighbor, 
<clears throat> that the United States invaded, occupied, engaged in a bloody counterinsurgency war, and where nearly 17 years later, it, it uh, continues to, to station thousands of troops, essentially. Rather uh, than recognizing that Iran is simply seeking to you know, take advantage from the dramatic United States instigated changes in the, the political and strategic situation on their uh, Western flank, as would any regional power in a comparable situation, Bush, and now Trump, uh, with the backing of many Democrats as well, uh, have tried to depict Iran's role as something, uh, say, far more sinister. Which, again, as I mentioned earlier, I do have my criticisms of Iran, and it seems as though their foreign policy has has in fact come off as sinister, considering the fact that you know they've engaged in in you know uh, tons of you know sectarian violence uh, uh, against Sunnis while simultaneously claiming to defend all Iraqi nationals regardless of sectarian affiliation or uh, you know levels of religiosity or, or, or you know what have you uh, be they you know Iraqi Sunnis Iraqi Shias or Iraqi Christians or, or whatever however yet another front of the quote-unquote war on terrorism making an aggressive U.S. response on a matter of quote-unquote self-defense although Iranian policy uh, has certainly contributed to the suffering of the Iraqi people as I mentioned it pales in comparison to the damage inflicted upon Iraq by the United States you know, perhaps some would argue this. Others w would argue against this as well. And we have to take that uh, into consideration and, uh, as well, in fact. Um, I don't think it's necessarily right to disregard or dismiss that damage either. Uh, because that is, in fact, substantial damage uh, that has occurred in Iraq and Syria over the past, you know, 12 years or so. And that has to be taken into account. Now, if we're going to sit here and compare and contrast whose foreign policy is more damaging and more harmful... Um, you know, I mean, I don't necessarily like to compare and contrast. I, I wouldn't, I, I don't think it, it would be fair to con compare and contrast United States foreign policy and the degree and the magnitude uh, of the harm that it's done in Iraq uh, along with the degree and the magnitude of harm that the Iranian foreign policy has done. I feel as though these are two separate countries with two different modes of capability, essentially different uh, sets of resources. Um, However, each set of foreign policy has its particular objectives, and each of those objectives is, uh, in fact, I think, damaging to Iraqi domestic affairs in numerous different ways. So, again, I mean, I feel as though this isn't necessarily black and white, uh, and rather, it is far more nuanced uh, than we would like to think. However, and if those in Washington, D.C. really want to protect American soldiers from pro-Iranian militias, they simply need to know, need to do what the Iraqis and a lot of others have been demanding, which is to essentially uh, remove them from Iraq, uh, and particularly and preferably uh, sooner rather than later. You know, and and I think you know this whole Iraq, Iran conversation is it really speaks volumes as to the, the capabilities of the powers that be, and kind of what our role is in all of this, and what can we do to you know improve the situation in, in Iraq or Syria or, you know, I mean, th these things are things that we have to think about a lot more in depth. Uh, and perhaps, you know, there are issues out there in the world that, you know, are far above and beyond our heads and far above and beyond our own personal and individual capabilities. But they're still worth thinking about, talking about, you know, and hopefully uh, somehow being able to positively influence
uh, policies of our own nation as well. But, you know, also, so I mean, so that's essentially like, you know, kind of like one part of the conversation. Another part of the conversation is, you know, which is something that I that I would like to focus on as well, is this idea of Iranian foreign policy, too. So, you know, let's, let's talk about Qasem Soleimani for a little bit. You know, I think it is, in fact, fair to say, and although many, you know, leftists, uh, anti-war activists are essentially using this uh, this as another opportunity to essentially, you know, criticize American foreign policy and talk about how harmful and how destructive it is. Now, although that's fair, and although, you know, those are, in fact, important issues, at the same time, I mean, you know, and, and perhaps many would criticize me for, you know, saying this as well, but I, I would also... Personally, I would argue that you know Qasem Soleimani's uh, uh, militant activity in Iraq and Syria was also incredibly destructive. You know, Qasem Soleimani really you know uh, haunted the Arab world and much of the Middle East and even inside Iran. The military commander was feared, and his death uh, has been greeted with uh, elation by many. Right? You know, in Beirut, as soon as Qasem Soleimani, the leader of the Quds Force of Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, was for, uh, confirmed dead. Lawyers and lawmakers in Washington began their debates. Was there was the strike that killed him legal? And there's a lot of conversations going on right now around the, you know the legal ramifications uh, thereof. How would the attack play into the political cycle of impeachment and the 2020 presidential campaign as well? These are also you know additional questions that have uh, arisen as well in recent conversations. Uh, you know, it was is this convenient for? for the Trump administration and for his upcoming uh, presidential election. Uh, what are the potential consequences consequences of conflict with Iran, right? So yet in parts of the Middle East, the reaction was different. Soleimani, a man thought of as invincible and all-powerful in the region at times, was killed uh, just, as, just as he was leaving Baghdad, uh, the Baghdad airport. Uh, and different sources say it was by 4.30 a.m., I believe, um, a group of Iraqis were marching, uh, running, and even though the country's capital carrying a large Iraqi flag, uh, throughout uh, the country's capital in Baghdad, carrying the large Iraqi flag, celebrating his death. In one video, a man's voice like, could even be heard lauding the killing, saying the deaths of Iraqi protesters has been avenged. So if we're being clear here, you know, Soleimani's death sharply increases tensions in the Middle East. Uh, just a few days ago, I should say, maybe perhaps about a week ago now or two, uh, protesters breached uh, the walls of the United States Embassy in Baghdad. Uh, you know, his killing is more consequential than that of Osama bin Laden or Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi even. He has an entire state that could seek to avenge him, right? Unlike uh, uh, the two previous names I mentioned, right? Those two individuals were not uh, affiliated with any states or any state actors in particular at all uh they were essentially uh vigilantes with their own groups um you know so Soleimani was respected and feared seen as either the evil mastermind behind policies of death and destruction or the genius architect of iran's expansionist policies he was also hated uh, not only by sunnis who suffered at the hands of his proxy shia militia groups in syria and iraq but also by fellow Shias even, including some in Iraq and Iran, where he helped uh, uphold a, a, a repressive system and was seen as the man responsible for Iran's role in costly wars abroad. Uh, he was not simply on a mission to undo the unsatisfying score, uh, so to speak, of the, Iranian, uh, of the Iran-Iraq war and make up for the conflict's devastating death toll and the humiliation that served uh, his country. Uh, he had become uh, the mission in and of itself. 
really, I mean, he became a living, breathing, walking embodiment of Iranian foreign policy. Uh, he was essentially the upholder of the Islamic Revolution, keeping it alive for Supreme Leader Ali al-Khamenei. Uh, and Soleimani was also key to defeating ISIS, uh, but it served a very specific purpose for the Iranian commander. You know, and so more recently in Iraq, uh, he was instrumental in the violent crackdown against protests uh, that had erupted in October. So the protesters, uh, you know, were essentially targeted not only, they, they were targeting not only the corruption and mismanagement of their own politicians, but also uh, Iran's role in both. Iran's essentially meddling within Iraqi domestic affairs, as well as its overbearing control of the country through proxy Shia militia groups that were loyal to Tehran. Suleimani had reportedly told Iraqi officials in October that, you know, this happened in Iran and, and we got it under control and everything, though Iraqis have continued to take to the streets. Uh, more than 500 of them uh, have been killed. Uh, demonstrators in Iran were also brutally crushed. Uh, more than 1,000 died in, uh, in the crackdown there, according to Iranian officials themselves. So in Lebanon, too, protests that began in October were initially focused on corruption, mismanagement, and sectarianism but quickly took on an anti-Iran undertone. Uh, the Shia militia and political party Hezbollah, uh, a key ally and proxy of Iran, some would argue, uh, since the 1980s, had become all-powerful in politics, a part of the establishment, and therefore uh, was also a target of the protests' anger. It responded uh, by sending, you know, vigilantes, really, uh, or at least allowing them to repeatedly face off with protesters using bats and sticks, Notably, Suleimani had reported uh, had, had reportedly just flown into Baghdad from Beirut uh, right around this time as well, ironically enough. Uh, antipathy towards Iran and its role, the politics of multiple Middle East countries had long been building, uh, predating these latest protests. But the multi-front explosion of popular anger towards Tehran and its proxies, uh, especially from within Shia communities themselves in Lebanon and Iraq, uh, was perhaps the most complex challenge, or one of the most complex challenges uh, that Suleimani had to face uh, so far, right up until his death, at least. Um, the recent protests, in fact, explain the relief, really. Uh, many feel in Beirut and Baghdad, uh, in Damascus and Sana'a, uh, blaming Suleimani himself for what had befallen their countries or, their, or you know, their communities. At times, it seemed as though, indeed, it, it felt as though, you know, Suleimani was... Uh, omnipresent, so to speak. His decades-long career spanned the battlefields of the Iran-Iraq war and his role uh, propping up Syria's uh, President Bashar al-Assad. You know, he flew uh, to the country regularly to oversee a devastating war that has left more than half a million people dead. Uh, he was also blamed by the United States for the deaths of uh, hundreds of Americans, as we've you know previously just discussed earlier, um, following the invasion of Iraq and and, and American soldiers, that is, uh, specifically, following the invasion of Iraq, and he helped organize Hezbollah's efforts against uh, Israel in 2006, uh, in the 2006 war in Lebanon, um, which actually, I was actually very unaware of, uh, which I find to be really fascinating. Uh, it's, it's interesting. Um, it goes to show how far-reaching Iranian foreign policy uh, has the potential to be. Um, was he indispensable? No one ever is and and uh, some of his aura was probably overblown and uh, you know blown out of proportion and over exaggerated however he will certainly be uh, hard to replace for the Iranian regime uh, so there's anger too among his supporters his allies and proxy militias 
who were devoted to him essentially lionized him, glorified him, you know, and, and will now be lost without him, uh, at least for some time. Uh, though his deputy has been appointed to, to take his place, there is no one uh, for the moment with his uh, 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 reputable, reputable stature, I guess you could say, so to speak, uh, to step in. Uh, no, nobody of his caliber, at least. And so there's also outrage on what grounds can the United States assassinate anyone regardless of who Suleimani was. Uh, then again, Iran and Suleimani did the same thing in Latin America in you know, uh, Buenos Aires in 1994 and the Middle East, you know, which poses the question, you know, or, or really, it's just something to think about. You know, that doesn't make the approach right. But anger only at American actions uh, seems one-sided, uh, quite frankly. Uh, Suleimani was so central to almost every regional event in the past two decades that even people who hate him can't believe he could die. Uh, you know, it's kind of it was just, it came really as a shock for many. Uh, a bit like people who couldn't believe that Saddam Hussein was really gone. Uh, what happens in his absence? What comes next? War, chaos, uh, limited retaliation, or nothing at all. No one like Suleimani has been assassinated in recent history. Uh, as the Lebanese journalist uh, uh, Adia Ibrahim once uh, posted on social media on Twitter, <clears throat> you know, uh, Donald Trump made his move. Now it's up to Khamenei. Uh, will the rest of us wait to find out whether tomorrow is a better day or a new phase in a seemingly endless cycle of violence? Uh, for now, in parts of Syria, some are passing trays of uh, baklava to celebrate Soleimani's death. So, you know, most recently we also witnessed Iran's attempted retaliation uh, in which it, you know, threatened uh, to attack military personnel uh, wherever it may be and, and so on and so forth. Uh, and then later on, we saw that Iran launched a couple of missiles uh, towards an American uh, military base in Iraq. After which, I you know I personally heard many different reports. First, saying you know twenty American military personnel were killed. Then later on, the story changed to oh, it was actually twenty Iraqi military personnel that were killed who were essentially loyalists to Iran. Uh, and I I don't think I remember hearing specifically as to whether they were just uh, Iraqi mil military personnel of just like the general Iraqi army or, or military, or if they were specifically members of any particular Shia militia group that were loyal to Iran or trained by Qasem Soleimani himself or you know trained by Iran or backed by Iran. Uh, and then later on, uh, in a more recent report, I remember reading that no one was actually killed or injured. And then soon after that, we hear about uh, uh, Iran accidentally shooting down uh, Ukrainian aircraft carrying 100 and, what was it, 176 uh, Iranian passengers, which you know has led to the outrage of ongoing protesters in Iran, and and now they're calling for you know uh, the Ayatollah himself, the Supreme Leader Ayatollah uh, Ali Khamenei, uh, to step down. You know, so I feel as though you know things are just continuously getting worse and worse for Iran, uh, not just in terms of its foreign policy, but even now domestically as well. So we have yet to see uh, how these events will further unfold. And with that being said, until next time, I genuinely appreciate you all for taking the time to listen to this podcast episode. Once again, I am your host, Sadiq bin Abdullah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa